This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Ramya. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. Rolling. We are rolling now for another day on the program. It's around the world listening in on AMI-audio. Hello, and if you're checking out the podcast, good for you. If you don't mind why you're in there, give us a rating and review. Kelly McDonald here. I'm at the London, Ontario home studio, Ramya Muth, and she's at the studio in Toronto. A big good day to you. Um, good day. You said earlier yes. that the day is just kind of filled with stuff, lots to do. Oof. Hopefully at the moment with your coffee there, you can sort of take a bit of a breath and yeah. Second wind. do what we enjoy doing, right? Second yeah. wind. I don't actually start my day with a coffee, though this actually does give me the energy boost for the show and for the second half of the day. Um, yeah, my, start, my day started at 5 a.m., which is not news for you. Like, it's not unfamiliar territory for you. But for me... Uh, new coffee drinkers, that's what it's like, right? You start with one. This is all Don't say this. Come on. It's not a slippery People slope thing. People who drink thing. coffee longer, it doesn't seem to have the same effect, right? Because it, it kind of wears off. I mean, some at people... At 2 p.m. Some people can stay at one or so because it just affects them that easily. But other mm-hmm. people, it just you adapt, you build up your resistance to it. Yeah. Wow. Before uh, you know when it. You, mm-hmm. What did you do before coffee when you had a full day and you knew you had to get going, had to wake yourself know. up? I don't oh. know. That's the scary part, right? Like before this, for the last, let's say, 12 potential years that I could have started to drink coffee, I didn't. And I don't know where I got the energy from because now that coffee, uh, caffeine reliance you're talking about is exactly what's happening. If by 2 p.m. I haven't had my cup of coffee or just the placebo of knowing, you know, that first sip of coffee and that placebo energy that hits, I'm thinking, oh, what do I do? <laughs> it, it, I can't oh. afford to. Oh, hold on. What? What's say? Addiction? Oh, oh, yeah, I'll tell her. No, yeah, no, not addiction. I mean, that's part of the mix, mm. but the other quotient is age. Age? Don't say such things. Ah, let's no. see what's coming up on today's Serious? aged program here, folks. <laughs> wow. Decades of much, speaking of time, decades of much music programming is being rescued from the sands of time. Corinne oh. Van Dusen tells us more on our entertainment report. Hopefully we're not too old for Halloween because there's a Halloween event taking place at the Canadian Museum for Human Rights later this month. And Winnipeg community reporter Vic Pereira is going to tell us the spooky details. And on our business talk with Kevin Shaw, we continue our series on business etiquette with an emphasis on time management. We'll get into all that during hour two of the program. Retailers say that diabetes drugs being used for weight loss are also weighing down snack and beverage sales. Ozempic, Wigovi, Munjaro, they're the diabetes drugs being used effectively for weight loss too, but while users get slim with their appetite suppressed, they're snacking and drinking less. And companies are feeling the pinch. Walmart says it's seeing reduced shopping demand for junk food, alcohol, and sugary drinks. The stock market feeling the squeeze too, with analysts calling it the Ozempic effect. The companies that make Cheez-Its and Pringles, Oreos, and chocolates seeing shares slide to their lowest level in months, shrinking sales as waistlines shrink. Derek Dennis. ABC News. Get People out. feel full, so they do not want to have these other things. 
in their way. Or they realize as they're learning to eat a little less that, hey, you know what? Now I literally just need a taste and then I'm through with it. However, as much as this is being said, our good friends at Pepsi, they have the answer, Rum. So, so what they're doing is making up different packs, different casings, packaging different. In other words, they're using shrink to their uh, advantage. A little nice. less. So, hey, you want that more economical Sample Pepsi? Sizes. Yeah, here you go. And boy, you don't have to worry about throwing out or wasting because we've got you covered. We've got the right size. Now, Gatorade, they don't worry about any of it because it's that good on the go and people are still, for whatever reason, vacuuming that up. Your thoughts? I mean, it's electrolytes, right? It's a little different than fizzy drinks, I guess. But uh, yeah, I mean, meet us where we are. I just, I'm very skeptical. I'm really raising my eyebrows at like where we're actually thinking we are, which is, are we seriously able to just point fingers at Ozempic and other such weight loss drugs and say, you are the reason why people aren't snacking anymore. Look how badly our numbers have fallen. I'm just not buying it. I'm really not. People on Ozempic and other like uh, medications, that it's definitely helping, that it's doing the trick. Sure. And he- healthy wise, we we are also hearing some of the, speaking. the drawbacks. Yeah, and we're hearing some of the drawbacks or concerns that they have with so many people being on it. But you also wonder because most of these drugs, you generally lose a, a certain amount of weight. Yeah, yeah, and that's fair. And it is technically an appetite suppressant, so we can understand it. But I just don't understand the snack industry being like, oh my goodness, you know, our people. We'll have to adjust. We'll have to make less. And that's just when people start saying, you know what, I feel like I could have more of my little snacks. Uh I miss them now. You do hope it's that mental stage that keeps us from continuing to need too much of the snack. I always say, hey, man, there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with a little bit. And so much pretty much you're the companies who make the stuff and say, oh, no, no, we want you to have a lot. You stop buying as much as you used to. You stop eating a bag at a time. Come on, get back <laughs> exactly, to that. Exactly, exactly. Let's oh, go back to the unhealthy heavens. ways, please. <laughs> That's right. Stuff that bag in. We'll make them lighter. We'll put more air in the bag for you just to help you out. That's for sure. Coming up next on the program, ladies and gentlemen, a new global study highlights the way that video games have a positive effect on people and the way they live. Right? Grant Hardy. He's here. Of course, it's another headline segment. Stick around. We'll talk to him after this. Wherever you're listening to our program around the world on AMI-audio, thanks a lot for being with us around Canada on AMI-tv. Remember, folks, we have repeats of the program, 10 p.m. Eastern time on both services. Do check us out at your convenience. We always appreciate you being here with us. Ramya, she's at the studio on main campus in Toronto. Kelly McDonald here at the home studio, London, Ontario. Grant Hardy at his little studio at home out there in BC. Let's bring him on for uh, Headlines. Hey, I'm Grant Hardy, and welcome to the Headlines segment. I tackle everything from health and lifestyle to accessibility and tech. I have it all right here on Kelly and Ramia. You know, it's um, still funny to me, Grant, to say, just headlines because there's such a pile and it's always so nice and I'm glad you rattle it off there and so people know but I caught myself getting ready to say hey oh it's not all health oh no. I know oh uh, uh, entertainment I, uh no <laughs> I keep wanting to say health for one day you know lifestyle the other way the other day sometimes I do kind of keep to that formula but oftentimes we 
uh, shake it up. Mm. I just find I it love it. hilarious. I to, love it. Me too. And yeah. you never know I, what the heck he's going to. Oh, I'm stealing Bill's lines. Oh. <laughs> I, mean, I, I just find it hilarious you talking about my Parallels. studio quote unquote <laughs> where my um... <laughs> uh, we need to cut that I love that laugh we're talking about my studio <laughs> okay <laughs> see the, the behind the, the scenes here he might be a little yeah. less uh, glamorously yeah, so describing you but that's okay, that's that's hole, okay. that hole in the wall that looks into the in all shapes and sizes <sighs> And variations. How did you sneak in here and look around? That's right. All yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> hey, that's what right. we could say anything for studio nowadays, right? <laughs> Since COVID, anywhere's a studio. Okay. Well, I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, time to get down to business. No fun and games here. Oh, wait. This is actually about games today. I mm -hmm. thought I'd shake it up a little bit and talk about an interesting survey called The Power of Play, which was issued by uh, the uh, national trade associations like the Entertainment Software Association of Canada. So it's, you know, definitely not unbiased, uh, but it was quite an international reach and covered people who play video games and some of the benefits that you get from playing games. So there were nearly 13,000 gamers all across the world. Uh, and uh, the majority of respondents highlighted a variety of social and emotional benefits from playing games. So of the Canadian respondents, 74% said their main purpose was just to have fun and play. Uh, but uh, other reasons included stress relief, reduced anxiety, and feeling less isolated and lonely. Uh, from a social perspective, 70% of respondents said games can help them make new friends, while 47% noted that games allowed them to meet people they otherwise wouldn't have. And people are even saying that video games can help them develop skills that can be applied in other areas of life in fact canadians uh, strongly agree with that uh we're one of the highest countries that agreed with that like problem solving skills uh and other skills that can be cognitive skills and things like that uh so according to this survey anyway gaming actually has a lot of benefits thoughts so far uh just a the perspective alone the angle of it being positive and not negative is interesting to me because you know you hear so much of the opposite right grant just video games violence oh the real life you know um cognitive effect and social effect and isolating effect of video games so i'm very curious about what the positivity is that they're pointing out here yeah i mean i do think that uh it's certainly intriguing, especially the violence. And I've always kind of wondered if that's such a good thing. Uh, one thing that I certainly have heard of before is that it is really a great way to be social, like mm. even on mm -hmm. like Xbox Live. Well, unless you're a bad winner or a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like people literally, you know, upload to YouTube or whatever, like a video of them playing and yep. socializing mm -hmm. with their friends so it's it's quite interesting but yes this the survey is certainly well, not 
Yep. And great, it's a survey, right? And it's people who are for or against whatever you want to say or game players. And I think I submit the thought that really we're not talking about any of the games specifically. And we're talking about, well, why would you play a game? What do you do? What do you get gaming. from it? Yeah. And people will say it's an escape. It's a this. The skill building in the way of whether you're able to utilize your mouse faster or something. These are some of the things that we would in Canada certainly say, oh, yeah. And I'm not just suggesting it's, oh, it's justifying playing game. There is always some kind of positive thing. And I think a survey like that, you're looking for what people would claim are the positive things. That's if you went at correct, this and yeah. looked at things such as, do you think video games are violent? Well, I think if you're polling a bunch of people, whether they play or not, you're going to hear, oh, I'm sure a lot are. Oh, people spend so, especially if you find people who get tired of you know, wanting to go out with their partner, maybe, and he's down there playing those stupid games. Or fathers and mothers, get out of the basement, would you? Some come up and see what the sun looks like. Like whatever it might be, we are, we can always find those who support either either way. But I look at this as saying, yeah, like I can admit, yeah, there are people who utilize some of this stuff and become really good with the computer. It's yeah. sort of like saying those who spend their time playing on YouTube. Let's be fair, there are those who create videos who become popular, who make money on it. And if you're using money as a way of judging success, hey, he's or she's successful. That's, I think, how you have to look at this, because obviously too much of anything, coffee or whatever it might be, isn't good, right? Like you, you spend too much time with anything, you can get into trouble. But there will be those who say, look, I spend 20 hours a day and I'm looking at, look at me, look at my bank account. Well, uh, <laughs> well how do you argue that? Correct. Other than their health yeah. in 10 years because they sat in front of the computer 20 hours a day and, you know, are in trouble drinking all that coffee. Oh, I can never things. have too much coffee. Mm. No, just kidding. <laughs> well, <laughs> definitely this survey uh, is not unbiased and they openly sort of admit that they're trying to counter other narratives such as yeah. the uh, WHO, World Health Organization, apparently uh, classified uh, quote unquote gaming disorder as an illness oh. uh, last year. Mm -hmm. um, yep. One, well, other but it's like gambling, isn't it? Like, I, I mean, I know some would say, "Are you ridiculous? People can lose their house, everything like that." But things, bad, negative things can happen oh, yeah. mm -hmm. from someone who who plays their games to whether it's physical, whether it is not paying your bills because you're buying too many games. There are things in certain cases yeah. that can happen. Game game currency is a really interesting sure. one like this i read an article about this and it talked about basically how i mean like gambling casinos it's always set up so that the house you know ultimately wins but with gaming right. currency there's no way you can win oh. you're literally just sort of pouring yeah you're pouring money, money into it and you can but, do it every eight seconds you can click bet yeah. again click you can like they're going to get to and i heard this recently on a podcast they're going to get to where if for baseball fans betting on sports that way using electronics they're going to be able to bet on every pitch strike is yep. this going to be a strike or ball oh, it's and already submit there that before the next pitch happens right based on the speed of it mm -hmm. yeah it, it, when you consider some of the ufc betting and stuff that's out there like it's absolutely wild how specific you can bet and how quickly in real time you can get to know right so anyway but with this game stuff i think that we're still coming from a pretty biased point of view of what we think video gaming is and the the article talking about just the broad scope of video gaming right like a lot exactly. of people who game feel 
you know, uh, well gaming. Like they feel socially mm -hmm. well gaming. They That's feel right. connected. Yep. They feel like mm -hmm. it's a communal activity. They also mm -hmm. believe that cognitively it puts you in a flow, um, which is an interesting perspective because, but, it, you but know, I come it. from an anti-gaming point of view, right? Like I haven't oh, gamed. Interesting. Yeah, I don't, I didn't spend years gaming. I never got into it. A lot of it has to do with accessibility, obviously. Now there's mm -hmm. more opportunity to game and there's just like a wider scope of what video gaming feels like. It could be a chill, you know, VR experience, virtual reality experience, and it could be, um, you know, the the GTA. Like the, the the scope is widening. I think the more we think about it, and 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 this item avoids getting into that because it's the basic part of it. What does it yeah, do? Yeah, like can what you is gaming? Do you go for in this people? for an escape? Is this a let's pretend? Is this a how how does it help you with your hand eye coordination? Whatever it might be, the positive of it. So because again, like you said, Grant, there's a lot of negative that's put out there and claiming and i'm not going to say they're wrong there are cases where yeah it's unhealthy there are cases where anything can actually work out really well for somebody mm -hmm. um i had one quick other point here to touch on uh just uh, something that uh you were speaking to ramia which is that uh one of the questions asked uh, and people strongly agreed with the phrase, there is a video game for everybody. Mm. And mm -hmm. the industry uh, spokesperson used this as evidence to indicate that games are becoming so much more accessible with things such as assistive features and hardware like uh, the respective uh, Sony and Microsoft adaptive controller. I, I... I I have to give serious credit to people who create accessible games for the blind. I really, really do. They are amazing. I don't know, though, if we are at a point where I feel like I could be a really epic gamer mm. and kind of integrate with everybody else. Like, Just because some, of the availability and the accessibility? Like, of yeah, like there are some interesting games people have have really put their heart and soul into designing accessible games but at the end of the day i just don't feel that you can walk up to a mainstream video game wherever you know play along with other people you're kind of playing a very simplified sort of audio game and I was just curious about your thoughts, but I kind of don't, I'm not really a gamer and yeah. I don't get the sense either of you, you know, really no. are. You no, know. but, but I, 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 I would like to play. I'm I've always been nervous because I thought if I got into a game such as, you know, one of the sports games, like, you know, Madden or something like that, how would I get it? Because the concept isn't there. Um, and like they say, a game for everyone. Well, if you found something that's accessible, great. But also you have to have that knowledge that, you can't just walk up and be good at a game and mm -hmm. you're going to get peeved off at it. You're going to say, oh, this stupid thing and walk away often more angry. Then that's part of yeah. the enjoyment. There's definitely people in the blind low vision community, at least, who are absolute avid gamers. And that's anywhere from PC and audio gaming to uh, just keeping in touch with the consoles and the upgrades and the availability of stuff out there. And I was actually, you know, speaking to some people a couple of weeks ago who, you know, they had so much to say about gaming that I was like, am I even talking to a blind gamer? Like there was so much perspective and uh, knowledge of what's out there. So clearly, Grant, I think part of it is for at least the three of us around the table is just that we just don't know 
how much and of it is individual, out there. right? This is carrying people. We have to remember the, the social part is kind of leading us, I think, to where we yeah. think, oh, okay, it's group versus that person that says, man, like we still counted people who played solitaire. They still were playing a mm -hmm. card game and people who like to sit down and play their certain games and go in there and just have that time on a bus sitting at home because they come yeah. home from work and say, I need my downtime and start playing their game. They're off to the races. And that is included in this too, when, when surveying. As an example, you know, Mortal Kombat, which is whew, like rated R, um, but was a game that at one point blind low vision people were playing just using the soundscape as their opportunity to feel included in, in the sighted community. I did community. all sorts of that as a kid, playing yeah. the Coleco stuff or whatever and having exactly. no idea except going by the, you know, hey, yeah, I got a score. Yeah. I had no idea and Where, run to my dad or my mom. What's the score on this thing? Whereas now, Mortal Kombat, you know, not only has its uh, some of the accessibility built in, like the narratives are audio described, the story modes are audio described, etc. Um, but they're, you know, talking about how to even make that game cleaner for people, blind, low vision players, because it's so huge in the community. Because we That's are a great. market now. That's yeah. the thing. We are a market. Oh, they're aware of us now with everything now. Thanks, pal. Thanks, folks. Made up all the time. We'll speak, uh, we'll speak more about this with Marcus when he's on the show next, I think, mm -hmm. tomorrow. Yep. Marcus McCracken will be here. We'll talk gaming with him. Uh, Grant Hardy joins us Mondays and Wednesdays on the program to talk headlines of all kinds. Coming up next, decades of much music programming is being rescued from the sands of time. Karen Van Dusen tells us more about that and a whole bunch of other things on our entertainment report next. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. notes for you folks first off we will be giving away our prize it's the 11th we'll do that a little later on in the show stick around for that but a note here for ways to entertain yourself with ami ami's new streaming service ami plus has officially launched the new platform features a slick modern look and puts ami original award-winning content at the forefront ami is fully compatible with assistive technologies including screen readers and magnifiers and Windows, Apple, uh, Windows, Apple, and Android platforms, folks, uh, and devices that you can utilize all with the new site. Check it out. Visit ami dot uh, sorry ami plus dot ca to uh, enjoy it and settle on back and have lots of fun enjoying all of the great content. Kelly McDonald here with Romeo Muthan. And we started to um, move our monthly entertainment report with Corinne Van Dusen to bi-weekly. And she's on today. Let's bring her on. Hi, I'm Corinne Van Dusen. Join me as we dive into the latest entertainment stories from music, television, and movies here with Kelly and Ramya. Corinne, we have three stories today. The second one is Taylor Swift. So everybody, <laughs> let's get through the first one. <laughs> 
but this yeah, one is well, actually right, because we don't want to like do, sell the third one short. We'll no. swap it right now. Yeah, no, it's fine. That's okay. good. <laughs> we wait till the very end for all the tea swizzy news. No, no, this one's good though. So much music programming, decades of it, is being rescued from the sands of time. Uh, Bell Media, which is the music channel's owner, says that they are in the final stretch of years-long project to go through tens and t- tens of thousands of videotapes and transfer pieces of this pop culture history history into digital archives. This kind of sounds like the most giant thing ever. So what's going to be archived? Well, I don't know if you are familiar with the old Much Music that used to play videos and interviews and such. Mm-hmm. It kind of went the way of you know MTV in the States, which plays just like reality TV now. But there is a plethora of stuff that Much Music used to play. It's going to be interviews with uh, international and Canadian musicians, as well as special events broadcasts. Um, so there's a quote from someone who says, basically, any interview with any artist you can imagine, they're they're going to have because oh. they talk to everyone. Um, so Bell said when they began the project, they had to decide actually what to preserve. So they went through their huge list of absolutely everything. Uh, there were interviews, of course, memorable programs such as media literally see talks on too much for much which was a late night show where panels would discuss videos that were considered too much to show on uh, at regular prime times and the they call it the winter spectacle of snow job gatherings so snow job was uh, was a huge concert uh where everyone would get together and it was it was like spring break but the Canadian one, so mm, to speak. Okay. So, All right. Yeah, you Us have, and our snow, you right? Our winter, the great white north. Yep. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's going to be a also, lot, a lot of that. They also did that much more music too, didn't they? Oh, yeah. They, uh, for a short time, they pulled out that other channel. Um, I don't even know how the heck they would go through all this. Like, that's just crazy. When it you sounds never-ending. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's already been several years in the works. So Mm -hmm. they've uh, this is not just starting now. This is like like continuing, continuing, continuing. And that's just the way television was kept before on, you know, on video cassette. So they did the digital landscape is still pretty new as much as we don't think, oh, we'll just pull it up on YouTube or whatever. You can't find everything on YouTube because a lot of stuff from the past has been lost to the animals of history because it was on physical mediums and not digitalized and but that stuff would get so heavy storing it is there things off the top that people who are really those fans of much music back in the day are saying oh i wonder what they'll keep will they not keep i mean we see the interviews make sense the shows make sense do you think there's something there that they'll just say uh, nah. uh they said they're not going to keep the the quote-unquote video throws so when a okay, VJ would stand yep. there and say, you know, that was a video from oh, so-and-so, yeah. and now we're going to watch this, because there are such, like, snippets of just like, okay, well, yeah, they threw to a video, they mm. <laughs> kind of thing, right? But they're going to have, like, I think it's the interviews that everyone's going to be super interested in. Like, they'll probably, um, they, I, I was trying to find out as much as I could, so they'll probably save stuff, like Weird Al did a show on Much Music, I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. that, it was I called do, Al yeah. TV. Oh, <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, so they'll have stuff like that. And they'll like it'll it, the things they're not going to throw are just, yeah, the the I don't want to call them throwaway lines, but they're kind of like, you know, in this video pack coming up, we have yeah, like the transitions and such. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. OK. Um, do we know if it's all going to be available for free for everyone to check out? Well, not 
exactly. Oh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Well, they got to pay people to do all this, so they got to make their dough back. <laughs> years and years of it. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of work. So, um, yeah. they much music already has a YouTube channel which has a lot, a lot of content on it. So you can already look up stuff there. Um, one of their biggest moments is the very last interview with uh, Kurt Cobain. Um, that's tallied millions of views there, but it's mostly going to be used as an archive, as a resource for filmmakers who want to access slivers of pop culture and license the footage for documentaries. So um, there was a documentary that just came out called 299 Queen West, and it was about the starting and the building of much music. They didn't have any of this digital stuff, pretty much. Like they had, to, they had to go in and be like, "Okay, we want this tape, we want this tape, we want this tape." <laughs> so that, so now they, if you want to make a like a documentary about things, you just go in and you can scan all the digital clips. So um, it has, they have been used before, but much music or Bell is now getting on the. Okay, we don't have to like uh, get you a portion of something and send it to you. You can just uh, go on our digitalized list. Wow. That's amazing. I, I And I hate to say this, but I do recall the, the first moments it opened. I remember as a broadcast enthusiast, as a kid, I remember making sure that I did not miss that. I want to say Thriller was the first one song they played, but I'm, I'm probably way off. I probably should know, should remember. But uh, of course, in my head, oh, wow, this is radio with video. Awesome. Really cool. <laughs> Um, do we want to move over to why the NFL should care? Why should should care about Taylor Swift and uh, Mr. Kels over here, uh, Travis Kels? Travis Kelsey, as we Swifties Kelsey, now know. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yes, exactly. Swifties and Kelseys. Swifties and Kelseys. Yes. Uh, how could we not talk about this? We've talked about Taylor Swift before. We know the fandoms. And now she is in a, they keep calling it a quote unquote situationship. Because they're not. That's a new buzzword. That's a new buzzword. Yeah. So um, it's it's she's been going to games and such. Uh, But before we get to the role that the NFL is playing in the situation ship between Taylor and Travis, they're starting to work on the name uh, Trailer, like Travis and Taylor. But I don't know. I think we still got to workshop that one. Please, no. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yes. So it came out of um, her heiress tour because right. um, Travis Kelsey has a podcast with his brother, Jason. And mm-hmm. he said on there, you know, I went to the concert. And one thing to do when you go to the heiress concert, if you're lucky enough to go, is you make friendship bracelets. So out Aww. of all beads. And usually what they'll say is a song title or they'll say Taylor. And they'll have all these colorful, different size beads. And they people trade them. So you go to the concert and you you bring a ton of them and you just trade. So everyone's kind of... Um, you know, in it together and trading stuff. So he brought a friendship bracelet that had his phone number in it. Oh, my. Okay. (laughs) And he wanted to give it to her, but he couldn't because uh, she doesn't talk to anyone before after the show because it's a three hour show and she needs to save her voice. So there's no talking other than in the show. So he didn't get to do that. But um, he did invite her to a uh, Kansas City Chiefs football game. Uh, he wrote to her and he said, you know, I've seen you rock the stage in Arrowhead, which is where um, they play. And you might want to come see me do that. So <laughs> then a situation ship was made. <laughs> I, oh I love God. the way you present this stuff, Corinne. <laughs> I would rather have it done this way than read any article. Okay. On entertainment. <laughs> this is hilarious. Okay. So 
is it uh, too much already? Like, how is the NFL using this to bring attention to the league? Well, I don't think it's too much, uh-huh. but I'm usually watching. Uh, once baseball's done, I just watch sporting events for what celebrities are there. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, well, it's being called the perfect storm of pop culture and sports colliding in a really positive way because NFL fans are passionate. Swifties are passionate. They're interacting like they haven't before. Perfect and storm. hopefully it's 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 bringing more eyes to the NFL. The NFL, uh, if you look at research, already has a really good um, demographic of young women and women watching. So this would just add to it with Swifties coming. Like, no one's going to go there and be like, oh, I, I've never heard of football before. What is everything? Is Taylor Swift here kind of thing? Um, <laughs> so it could be... Um, more so like bringing eyes to the screens, but you know, they already like the NFL always really great ratings. It's not like they're, they're hurting in Uh, that way, Mm -hmm. but it's it's up there. Instagram. Well, and for everyone and, and the podcast, like, I can't remember what the heck they had, uh, for that podcast you referenced a while ago that him and his brother do, they had, heck was it a ridiculous amount of people sign up for it in one day like i want to say five hundred thousand. it was incredible just bang in one day and i know amazon had a feature on travis recently that a whole bunch it was like the top video in the last or or attraction uh, to amazon in the last little while because this crossover going on so it's certainly done a lot and uh yeah, for mm-hmm. some people, I'm sure it's more than enough. And I think even for them telling people, we need a little privacy, like, guys, okay, this is great. It's wonderful. But then the NFL loves it. You know, the, 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 her travels, her, her work, her music, both of them, everybody's buying up uh, any of their, their stuff that, that, that that's out there. So amazing. Well, his jersey sale went up 400%. <laughs> After she wore it at a game. So, and there's a, just a a funny thing about uh, on the internet. So there's viral videos going around of women talking to um, male friends, husbands, you know, big football fans and saying, oh, can you believe that Taylor Swift has really put Travis Kelsey on the map? And then they'll, what? He's one of the greatest football players ever. How can you say this? Everyone or the Kansas City Chiefs, which are the number one watched football team already. Yeah, (laughs) that is hilarious. The huge divide being conquered here. (laughs) So, um, can we talk about this last story before you go concerning Bob Odenkirk? He not only kid read to his kids when they were. Uh, small, but they actually wrote poems together. And this is kind of cool because he had a, a whole goal in mind for his kids. Yep. Bob Odenkirk, uh, not known for his kid-friendly material on TV. Uh, he plays the titular character in Better Call Saul. So he was on Breaking Bad. He's been on Mr. Show and Saturday Night Live and a whole bunch of other stuff uh, as he spent much of his career as a writer for those shows. Uh, so when actually the pandemic hit his whole family hunkered down at his place and he had always assumed they were going to like he was going to write a children's book it's called uh zillet and other important rhymes and it happened sooner than he thought because everyone was there he thought well we have nothing really else to do like we're we're sitting here so let's put this uh book together so him 
and his daughter who is uh doing who just finished up a degree in the arts uh she illustrated everything they did 15 poems with a language he used with his kids uh the reason it's called zillet is because that's the word his son invented for the word fort so he wants um kids to be able to use language in a fun way use it incorrectly and not feel embarrassed when you yes. are told like the the correct way. So have fun with language. If you mispronounce something, it's not the end of the world because, you know, uh you can play with words and they and and they're fun and don't feel embarrassed about not knowing. This is such a nice oh, like you know how we talk cool. about um learning through play and all these other ways, you know, through tactile methods like your um why can't I think of the blocks right now? <laughs> Lego, blocks, Lego, Lego. Jeez. Uh, talking too much Taylor Swift out here. Um, yeah, but this is like another way of doing that, but through literature, right? Like you're just talking about being playful, being experimental, being okay to make mistakes, which we don't often think about language that way. We think of it as rules and regulations. Yeah. Definitely yeah, learning and, ha- and learning having language. fun with it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, well, you don't want to sit down at night. Well, I guess if you really want to fall asleep, your kids fall asleep quickly. You can sit down with like a thesaurus and explain to them grammar rules. But right. No, <laughs> you thank you. They'll really enjoy that. <laughs> oh, you want to remember wow. that childhood word you used for fort? Like, that's very yeah. adorable. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to putting them to sleep, right? Doing yeah, that exactly. <laughs> Corinne, thank you. We'll catch you in two weeks. Thank you very much. Corinne Van Dusen joining us for our bi-weekly entertainment segment, and we uh, talk all things celebrities and everything else. Flashback. Much music. Pop-up video. Mm. Anyway, we'll step aside for a moment. A woman in Ontario drew attention for a harsh obituary for her father. Uh, Bill Shackleton, he'll fill us in on the buzz after this. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Welcome back to the program. We appreciate your time on this Wednesday, wherever you're checking out the show. Always glad to have you on board. Stick around, ladies and gentlemen. We announce a winner's name very shortly. Yeah. Yeah. Coming your way really soon. Ramya Muthan over there. She's at the studio in Toronto. Kelly McDonald here at the studio in London, Ontario. And we called this segment at the bottom of our first hour of the program, Wednesday through Fridays. We call it the buzz. Bill Shackleton joins us now. We never know where he's going to go. We bring some interesting topics from around the world, and we just follow along and chat and sometimes laugh and sometimes, of course, say the, whoa, wow, woof. Shaq, how are you? Doing pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, unlike good, the sir. people in this article. Un- well, yeah, unlike the woman's yeah. father in Oof. the article anyway. Maybe even tell the us woman. In, sir. Yeah, tell us. Um... Okay, well, this is Ontario woman um, uh, is criticized for a scathing obituary of her father. Now, basically what she's doing, the question she's asking is, if somebody's dead, do we have to be nice to them? And she, that got up on TikTok. And of she, it yeah, of course it did. Why would, why would it? TikTok's the new yeah. world star. Yeah. Well, and yeah. people would love reading that. Oh, on their performance, oh, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. She's got good and bad criticism. Uh, I'm just going to read what this obituary says. <laughs> okay, Billy, I Billy, le- lay right into it. Brace yourselves. Uh-huh. Yeah, brace yourself for this one. 
I am pleased to announce the passing of Stefan um, Hartley Cannell, the absentee an artistic father, husband, brother, and son finally kicked the bucket. Um, do, do you, I mean, for me personally, um, the, the controversy is, do we speak ill of the dead? And I, I can't imagine how somebody could be that hateful that, they can't find something good to say about somebody. I mean, if you look deep into your heart, do you really hate somebody that much that you can't find something good to say? I mean, he was a rotten father, a rotten brother, a, ro a, um, a, a rotten wife or husband. And it just seems to me, I can't comprehend how well, anybody could be, you know. Okay, I have an example of a, a book that I've read that I'll point to in a second. But this line that she says I found to be really intriguing. She says, death can be redemptive. I believe yeah. that. But if you choose not to find the meaning themselves to say terrible till the end, should we not write them as they lived? And I think that's the juicy question that people are, uh, you know, considering, right? With the, the attention that she's getting in all this. So because we we really skate around it like no matter how terrible your relationship might be to someone who passed away you know your close family member or anything else uh you don't talk that way about them once they die like period it's just an it's a rule you don't no, do that's that right i yeah. agree i agree but anyways there's well, this book I, called um it's an unwritten rule yeah it's an unwritten rule there's a book called i'm glad my mom died and it was jeanette mccurdy who wrote this book the the girl who plays sam and i carly we read it kels and we did it was such a good book for exactly the same reasons, right? Like, by the end, you find out her mother is dead. It's not a spoiler, really. But the way that she speaks of her, the things that she takes us through, the situations through the book, are brutal. They're vile. It paints her mother in a terrible way. And she's had to come to terms with just really accepting her mom as she was. And that mm -hmm. included just full-on saying, I hated her. I did not love my mother. She did not, uh, you know, give me the life that I deserved, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a period of time that people find that they can do this open and be, you know, it's, it's sort of like, when do you kind of make jokes about the dead? People yeah, true. have gone. Yeah. Um, and we do this with history a lot, especially because if, if a person is a person of means, if a person is a, a historical character that we know of, they they were significant. It's you can make jokes about that person for some reason because in our minds, well, they had all the benefits of life. We can joke about William Shakespeare now, ha ha ha, or mm. put him in a joke. We we can. There's still someone who died. I think for me, I was always taught, don't suddenly turn the corner. You didn't like someone, thought the worst of them, whatever they were an evil. As soon as they're dead, don't walk around and say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to miss that guy. You know, whatever. Like and 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 for whatever brownie points you think you're scoring. I feel more of the need of, it's the family. You're going to write this obituary. What about the remaining family members? Uh, if everybody felt that way about the person, or if you knew the person's sense of humor would love you to put something like that mm. together. And I think of comics when they do those roasting people. Yes. And yes. say things, whether they're dead, whether they're alive. Like, I'm so, whoa, whoa. They, they go, because they're comics, they'd go deep and down and nasty, right? So I... I see this, and of course, the first thing I do is chuckle at it. I don't know the man. I don't know if this is yeah. for real. My first thought because is... Because <laughs> it's so extreme. 
It is, but it's almost extreme enough to be a joke, right? But I'm assuming, no, it's an obituary. Oh, I yeah. have she to wonder more so about oh, the family. Yeah. Um, maybe they all well, feel the, brother, the same way. I can tell. I can tell you the brother the brother agrees with her. So apparently it didn't just say anything but other members of the family, but the brother agreed that he was a not a very nice person. Something about being evil. Yeah. Yeah. Evil evil evil. And And I, I, I don't have a problem. I'm not sure if it were my paper, I'd want to put it in. I might say, you know what, with all the people going through grief, to have that stuck in the middle of my other obituaries, I'm sorry. All right. But how do you get into this world of censor? We we get upset when they do it with a book. Uh, you have to stop and say, yeah, I, I don't yeah. know the circle. I mean, obviously, you don't want to be sued by another family member. How dare you put that in there? So I'm kind of torn because it's the truth of the matter. Um, otherwise, you're making a short obituary, like you said, Bill. Can't you come up with something nice? You know, you know what are you going to say? Well, it's good that he's gone. It's hard because of the role uh, that not even the role, but like the person that she is, her image of her father, because she also talks in this article about um, her father being terrible to her mother, who was a fragile human being, according to her, right? So there's that history of abuse, that history of like, why are you the way you are? And so obviously she built up a lot of resentment towards this human being who is now dead, but to her, it's like, doesn't matter if he's dead or not, he was terrible. If somebody else were to write the obituary, maybe they'd be a bit more sensitive to the the unspoken rule of, hey, we're not going to speak ill of the dead or you know not necessarily the family obviously right this person was the person to submit it not disrupt um, the funeral or the the um ceremony do you call it festivities like the ceremony of the dead this way because you want it to be this particular vibe Um, uh, and it could be possible there is no funeral this could be her only way of dealing with this in this way Mm. and to express and we you know again we don't know if this is i i I, you know part of her coming to grips with the life that that she has been dealt with this person her brother her mother um, and at the end of the day, dad's gone, doesn't care. Now, clearly, this is cathartic for her. Clearly. Yeah. Well, I hope so. Yeah, I couldn't, God, I couldn't do I'd it. I'd hate to find other literature that she's writing with oh, this stuff in too, I'm way too uncomfortable to say anything like this at, towards somebody. Like, wow. Scary. Yeah, I, I, well, I, you know, I could say I, things that could have said things about my father. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, he was not very nice either. But it was some good things. He was my dad. What am I going to say? Yeah. yeah. Right. And also well, at his funeral, it, right? Well, yeah. yeah. Or, yeah. or or in print for everybody else, the world to see because of that. And again, some would say, well, I love the honesty. That's great. Mm. She can speak that way. Well, I, I hope more so, like you said, it's cathartic. There's a reason for it, for the family, for yeah. her mom, brother. That is something we will never understand, hopefully. And there are those but out there, most. I'm sure, unfortunately, who would understand. And, and your heart goes out to them yeah. because they're feeling the same way, like, Good for her. Get it out because maybe they wanted or would like mm. to do that themselves um, in whatever proper venue. I mean, I think that's the thing for all of us. Yeah. I'm not sure everybody needs to see that, but I'm not this person who needs to cleanse or, or for all we know, maybe maybe she's the evil one. Oh. Don't know. Oh, plot twist. Billy, what um, else? <laughs> yeah. Got it there. Can financial literacy help students learn math? So a Washington, D.C. high school may have been the forefront in providing financial education, but in recent years, 
others may have followed suit. So basically what the article is suggesting is that, um, you know, we all know that students um, are not performing, necessarily performing well in math. And one of the reasons uh, this particular school district has determined is that, well, first of all, students don't like math. And one of the reasons why, they don't have a practical use for it. I mean, when you, if you're going to take algebra, what are you going to do with it? After, you, right. I mean, unless you yep. go into computer science, what are you going to do? So they have this, in fact, there are more schools in the U.S. now that are requiring financial literacy before you can graduate because everybody has to learn how to budget money. Everybody has to learn numbers which of course fits into the sort of the math um, landscape of things where you have a practical use for math. Yeah. It can help mm -hmm. you. And maybe and the hope is that it'll encourage people to take math. Um, you know, if they can, I was always good at geometry because it was practical. Yep. And if you can find a practical use for something, you're probably going to get a lot more of it uh, out of right. it. Instead of just saying you have yeah, to. That's it's right. sort of like languages, too. It's there are everything. a lot of us who would rather speak a language than have to sit yeah. down and, oh, and write it yeah, where, where we might fail, oh. whereas we need it in so many other ways. You, you need your literacy, your, your financial literacy, um, to keep yourself safe, to, to, to you keep yourself do, from getting into trouble, to keep it. track. Well, I mean, yeah, but you do need... To be able to do oh, your yeah. numbers and and, you and keep and you know, but it's the same as a language. You may choose, and in a country, say this is my second language. This might help me employment-wise, but I I don't need to write it. I just need to pick up a phone and say you know bonjour or whatever it might be. Yeah. Well, math for most of us is one of the most challenging subjects you're going to have at it school. It is indeed. And yeah. we avoid it so yes. hard because we're like, I don't, I don't know how to do this. I'm out. And it, you know, it's just as simple as your teacher can't explain something a certain way, or you yourself can't understand the practical use of something. Um, you know, your visual learner or an auditory learner, like whatever. There's so many different reasons why math has a terrible reputation. And so I'm telling you, this is the only way to get people more interested in math. Period. I mean, if you don't care about your finances, then we can't do anything about that. But no. to say this is the practical use, this is why you're taking these courses, of course it's going to make that much of a difference. The worst was the algebra, oh. eh, Bill? Uh, quantity oh, X, Y, over, oh, oh yeah. my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Well, what's X yeah. and what's Y? Just do, follow it, X do, do, do the math. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Show me how you got that answer, Bill. Oh, for God's sakes, I don't even know how oh, these letters are I asked ChatGPT. Yeah. GPT. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh. oh, yeah. I punched it into the calculator, but there was no X or no Y for me to utilize. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jack, thanks a lot, pal. Appreciate it. All right. I guess we'll do it tomorrow. You betcha, sir. Thank you, Bill. Great conversation. Great discussion. Uh, folks, Bill Shackleton joins us for The Buzz, Wednesdays through Fridays at the bottom of our first hour of the program. Uh, we'll stick to a little more literacy here, folks, because on our business talk coming up in the next hour, we're going to continue our series on business etiquette with an emphasis on time management. I guess that kind of helps you, too, with learning and math in some way. And how can you take better care of your mental health? How do we do it? Registered nurse Leslie DePoe gives us some advice. But up next on the program, there's a Halloween event taking place at the Canadian Museum for uh, Human Rights later on this month. Winnipeg community reporter Vic Perra has all the spooky details next. <laughs> Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv.
Thanks for being with us. It's the second hour of the program. Kelly and Rumia here weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, wherever you are checking us out. And whenever, via podcast or maybe one of the repeats or live on AMI-tv. And I'm Kelly McDonald here at the Home Studio, London, Ontario. And Rum, it's come that time. We've been talking about this for a couple of weeks, and uh, we always get excited and, and move with the Lucas Henneman Express, a blues sensation straight out of Ottawa. And uh, you can check out their electrifying concert on October 13th in Etobicoke when October 13th is mentioned. That's at 8 p.m. where um, Tishabchenko uh, Community Center and that's at 482 Horner Ave. This isn't just a concert, folks. It's a blues fiesta. You'll enjoy soulful tunes and enjoy in a three-course meal, too, while doing with your presence some fundraising and supporting of, of the Ukraine. We've asked you to email us your information if you wanted a pair of free tickets and could get out there to this event on Friday. It is time for that draw. Now, please note, this prize must be ex accepted as is. No substitutions. Prize includes two tickets for Friday. Uh, travel and accommodations are not included. Uh, the value of the prize is $190 Canadian. Da -da 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 drum roll, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. The winner is Ramya. Oh, the winners are Ivanka Timchuk and Serhi Timchuk. So congratulations. We know you'll enjoy the event on Friday evening. That's the 13th because it's going to be a swell time with blues music and this three-course meal. I'm very, very excited for you guys. Congratulations. Yeah. Eat lots of food, enjoy yourselves, and congratulations for sure. Uh, we will mention again in case, uh, you know, later on in the show, you tune in and you want to know, hey, who won? Well, yep. we're happy to tell you, and congratulations. Congratulations. Let's get to our community report. This time of the day on Monday, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, we check in with our community reporters to kick off that second hour. And we are headed over to Winnipeg. Wick Pereira is joining us from there. And Vic, we got... So much to get through, starting with Halloween festivities at the Canadian Museum for Human Rights. Yes, this will be the first time I get to take in some of the, the local um, drag scene. I'm not familiar with these Winnipeg performers yet because mm -hmm. I've been to Vegas uh, uh, boylesque shows and uh, female impersonation, impersonation shows. So I'm looking forward to this uh, going to Dragula's Den, where oh, they're going to wow. provide a choice of meals and some local entertainment. And if it's anywhere similar to what I've experienced elsewhere, it's going to be quite entertaining and quite quite a, an amazing event and with lots of humor and and good times and promotion and it'll be promoting, you know, sexual diversity, which is a, a good thing. And being an annual member of the Canadian Museum for Human Rights, it's also a great deal because if you have a disability you get to bring your escort in for no charge. Oh, lovely. Okay, that's great that they have that um, opportunity for people. Yes. Now, I always love the um, copy around this kind of stuff, the promotion copy <laughs> around Halloween things, you know, spooktacular and <laughs> You mean the descriptions, yes. yes. The real descriptions are awesome. So funny. Sink your fangs into our spooktacular Halloween-themed brunch. Um, <laughs> Spine-tingling performances. So do you, you said you're unfamiliar with the, the Queens, but do we know anything more about how this kind of thing will be run? It's brunch. First of all, that seems special in and of itself. It's not a nighttime thing. Yeah. No, it's uh, they're they have a venue there, which is a restaurant, a local 
restaurant, which is quite popular, mm-hmm. and uh, th- there'll be a stage set up for them. And uh, if they are so inclined, because if it's anything like other performances where I've attended, they'll actually walk uh, into the audience and interact with with those of us having our brunch. Okay. Oh, that's amazing! In, I'm just yeah, and you've got some in the great. Past, oh, go ahead, Rick. I was just going to say, in the past, I've actually had performers sit on my lap, and some try to throw lollipops at me. But uh, <laughs> of course, I was not very good at catching them. They tried. <laughs> they tried. Oh. Um, and and again, being new to the scene, some of the names Bambi Ray, uh, Esmeralda Marquisa, you, you don't know uh, the, any of the any of the artists that are going to be performing. No, not yet. This will be the first time okay. I'll get to meet it's them. Exciting! For I you. know some some are involved with the Filipino community. Uh, one okay. is uh, through the the indigenous uh, community here, and is a local activist. But uh, this will be my first time meeting them in person. Perfect. Okay, let's go down to Fort White Alive. What's this? Uh, every year we go to Fort White Alive. As the geese are migrating south, they they come in off the fields and land on the lake to spend the, the night, I guess, so they can you know, get their energy and get stocked up for their further flight south. And it's, I, I think, hundreds is an underestimation because it's incredibly loud, but but it's amazing while you're sitting there uh, watching them come in. Uh, having your little bit of picnic or making bannock over the fire, it, it's a, a very ama- incredible event. I don't even know how to describe it because you have to be there to experience it, thinking that flocks of geese are coming in throughout the evening. Do they in, actually in sound Rome. like geese? Like when you have that many geese coming in, you said it's really loud, but does it actually resemble birds? You- you definitely know they're geese. Okay. They, they, wow. They, I'm very curious. Even though there's hundreds coming in at a time, they, they are very distinct, and you do know that this is a flock of geese. If there's and a duck in there the trying to hitchhike, yeah, mm-hmm. they'll sit on the water overnight. Wow. And and then they'll go back out to the farmers' fields or meadows during the day to to eat. How is um, the sound? This, like, is it a little terrifying? He said loud. Um, really loud. Mm. I I would only be I would only be terrified if they're flying overhead. Yes, true. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I don't want to become an mm. yeah I don't want to become an unwilling target on their body. Get, no, yeah, get no. your umbrellas out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A certain but, kind but of umbrella we're, too. Yeah. Usually we're off to the side of at the lake in the field, and they're coming in. Usually from we're facing west, so they're coming in from the north or over the right side, mm. and then they're landing people. ahead of us. Yes, there's a always lot a lot of people. Out, yeah. That's a very Rick, popular activity. And I'm, I'm assuming we know how routine geese are, really, when you look at what they do in the habits every year. Um, is there like, is this a block of weeks where this happens, or is it less than that, like a week where you're going to get them there a few nights and that you're guaranteed to go and find them there? No, you'll be guaranteed throughout the month of October. If you'll get the first run as the geese that don't go too far north, come through but then the ones coming from the arctic will come in later on so it happens for quite a while wow that's and this amazing. is a good time to be among them because they're not nesting so they're they're not aggressive this time of year yeah so yeah, that could get pretty ugly <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah springtime is not uh, spring and early summer is not a good time to inter- uh, be around geese i no i bet not are there other kind of like 
and I want to call them animal watch parties, but you know, this kind of thing that happens around your neck of the woods, Vic, like this seems very unique. I don't think any of us in Toronto are going out to see geese hang out or come by. In fact, most of the time yeah. we're trying to avoid them. No, no, no. You guys can go out and watch the rats, but that's Ew. Okay. <laughs> Raccoons, maybe. And you get some, occasionally you'll know if uh, the solitary birds, like when the herons are coming through and those types of birds, but they don't come in the, the flocks and the droves that geese come in. Right, right. All right. Uh, tell us about the most exciting thing that has happened to you recently. You got married in Toronto. You talked about this at the last community report. How was everything? Yeah, it was a it was an excellent venue in the old historic uh, garment district. Uh, it, it was an old building. We didn't even know it was a wedding venue. The only thing missing on the door was a little slide, so when you knock on it, somebody would look out and give a password. <laughs> but it was, but it was a, it, it was a, it was an amazing, yeah, it was an amazing historical uh, venue. It was on the second floor. We we had a walking cocktail because they didn't have uh, set up for the formal dinner, which didn't suit our personalities anyway. So they had little groupings of couches and seats and bistro tables, and they walked around with hors d'oeuvres, and they even set up a taco bar. And oh, I did delicious. have some other friends. Yeah, I did have some friends who were are also blind and vision impaired who came to, to share in our celebration. And without any training or prompting, the staff did a phenomenal job helping people through the taco bar, uh, going around with the different types of uh, snacks and crudités. And a couple of my, a couple of the guests also had their own guide dogs and the staff always made sure there was water available for the dogs. So uh, it was an excellent, wonderful experience. So yeah. you're pleased and, with and the menu. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Better comment like that. But definitely, I think that some places have really gotten good at, at taking whatever it is for learning that accessibility, the courses that are offered out there and that kind of thing. Can you tell me one thing, though, before we just go on the rest of it, the, the, the rest of, of what the journey, the tacos, uh, when you say a taco bar, just tons of different things to put in those tacos, right? Yes, there was uh, the, you had a, a choice of pork, chicken or vegetarian option. And if you had gluten sensitivities, they also had the, the shells made out of corn as opposed to wheat. So, so everybody was, uh, was accommodated. And wow. I, I, as I mentioned on previous episodes, I'm a bit of a pepperhead. So it was kind of nice that they had uh, the spicier sauces that uh, I really enjoyed. Mm. Yeah, I, I love the um, kind of casualness of the taco bar and all of the other things that you mentioned, but specifically going back to the staff and how helpful they were, it's so meaningful, right? Because it's a very special day for you, obviously, but also you're very busy and, you know, don't have as much time as you'd love to have, I'm sure, to hang out with your friends and make sure that your company's being um, accommodated well. Mm. So, yeah, exactly, and taken care of. So when the staff can be you know, absolutely there, you can relax a little and enjoy yourself and not worry about these kind of things. Well, Candace was a little bit stressed thinking she was going to get taco on her wedding dress, but fortunately that didn't happen. That would have been part of the vibe. (laughs) It would. How was the cruise for you guys? It it was a really good cruise. It uh, It was her first time on a mega cruise ship. And we went from New York to Boston to Eastern Canada. And... That the weather was rough between New York and Boston, but going to Maine, uh, Sydney, Charlottetown, La Baie, Quebec, it was 
above seasonal norms. Like we had temperatures in the uh, low twenties to mid twenties. So I brought long sleeve shirts and you know a leather jacket, which I never wore. And I wish I would have packed some golf shirts or some t-shirts. Mm. And and I really was impressed how uh, these cruise ships, but have like our, this one had thirty eight hundred guests. When they pull into a port like Sydney, Nova Scotia, the the how it helps the local economy and what they've done to to sure. uh, bring all that econ uh, economic uh, value and seeing all the shops pop up and all the great artisan shops and coffee shops and bakeries, you just couldn't get enough. It sounds so lovely. Your whole experience sounds lovely. There's a lot of variety as well. Uh, Vic, congratulations and thank you for the community report. We will chat with you next month. Okay, thanks, Kelly Ramia. Nice talking to you. You too, as always. And congratulations. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Winnipeg Community Reporter Vic Pereira recently hitched, and he will join us next month for another community report. Marisa was talking about that, about the economy when the boats come in into her neck of the woods, too. So really amazing. Uh, we're going to step aside for two minutes, ladies and gentlemen. How can we take care of our mental health? Registered nurse Leslie DePoe gives us some advice after this. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. Thanks for being with us, ladies and gentlemen, as we roll through the Wednesday edition of the program. So much stuff coming at you. We know it. We try to keep busy that way. Keep you awake. Keep you learning. Keep you thinking. Ramya Muth and Kelly McDowell, we are the hosts of the program. And it's time, folks, as we get into a health check-in with our registered nurse, Leslie DePoe. DePoe registered nurse and there's nothing I love more than helping folks learn about their own health so they can be a better advocate for themselves and those around them. Join me for your health check-in where we chat all things health and wellness and even a little bit of science from time to time. Ooh, lastly, there is so much going on out there in our world with, uh, you know, long weekends around, going back to school, work from home. <laughs> There's just so much stuff out there these days that, uh, you know, we only can be certain of uncertainty, right? And uncertainty can also carry a lot of stress. Mental health takes a toll on it. 100%. And, uh, and I love, I love this time of year. I mean, I, I'm a sweater season kind of a gal anyway, but I love this time of year because October also means it is World Mental Health Day. It's officially recognized on the 10th of October. So we're only off by not even 24 hours. I feel very good about our timing this year. Um, and the overall objective of Mental Health Awareness Day is really just to raise awareness around mental health and mobilize efforts that's globally in support of mental health. And it, it's nothing to be ashamed of. We're going to try and fight the stigma in this segment here today together. Um, and it is certainly nothing that we need to be ashamed of talking about. And, and while we could delve into the corners of diagnostics and mental illnesses and medications and treatment options, this is a 15-minute segment, so I'm going to pace myself. Uh, so I thought a good place for us to start our conversation this week is into online mental health, something that we're seeing a lot of these days, the glorification of the grind uh, and, and why we really need to reframe what success is. Mm. Mm. Well, I think, Leslie, as usual, we better start with our definition here. Um, you know, should we start uh, with a good uh, definition here? 
Absolutely. And I, as you know, I do love a good definition. Um, so mental health. Okay. Mental health is a state of well-being uh, and we all have it. Okay. One in five people in Canada might experience mental illness, but five out of five Canadians have mental health. Okay. This is a universal thing. This is not anything to be ashamed of. Maybe we just don't have the language to talk about it. Maybe it's something we're not comfortable talking about in certain social circles or in certain groups of people, but that does not mean it's not here. And it doesn't mean it's not worth talking about. So hopefully today we're going to start to kind of peel back the layers of this onion. Um, and it really is, it's, it's a state of, of, um, of thriving, of not just surviving. Mental health is about enjoying life, about having a sense of purpose and being able to manage life's highs and lows. And that's a huge piece of it as well. You know, I think, I, you know, we could probably do an entire segment on this. The idea that, you know, there's somebody else out there who's got this whole thing figured out and they're happy all the time. And the fact that you're not happy all the time is obviously some sort of a defect with you that mm. needs addressing. And that's simply not true. Um, and I think that, I think that's a huge part of where we're struggling right now with mental health is this idea that somebody else has either sorted it out or that we are inherently supposed to be at a 10 out of 10 happiness all the time, 24 seven, 365 days a year. And the truth is it, it's impossible, number one. And philosophically, how would you know what happiness was if you didn't have the opposite of it from some, some mm. from time to time? So it's also, like I said, mental health is really about managing those highs and lows, expecting them to come, embracing them as best we do, having coping strategies in place to address them, and hopefully a, a good social network around us when those when those times come. Yeah, and keeping our um, keeping our realities checked, you know, with this social media and with all these other places mm. where there's a lot of that falsity and we get into real spirals just looking at other people and thinking that we're not where they are. What does good mental health look like? You touched on a lot already, Leslie. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm going to go through um, World Mental Health Day kind of breaks things down for us in a really palatable way. Um, so I think it's, um, I mean, obviously it's, it's, it's backed, it's scientific, it's data. We have, we have reams of data on this, so I want to stick to that. But I, I want to acknowledge what you said too, Ramya, about um, sort of the, and we'll talk about that more hopefully um, throughout the segment today, but sort of the role that social media is playing in that and this endless state of comparison that we all seem to be in. So when we talk about really good mental health, what does that include? It includes a sense of purpose, strong relationships. This is such a huge one. Um, and I don't know if anyone's watching. There's a documentary right now on Netflix. Um, there's a gentleman who works for National Geographic who travels around the world to something called blue zones, places in the world where people live longest and continually report having the best or the highest quality of life. And an overwhelming theme there is strong relationships. It's the way they've built their communities. And part of those relationships inherently give purpose and meaning to the individual community members. So those are our first two, strong sense of purpose, strong relationships. Number three is feeling connected to other people, remembering that we're not alone. Human beings are just, we, we are pack animals. We're meant to be in groups. We are meant to be connected to one another. Number four is having a good sense of self. So that's actually how you feel about your own self in your own skin each day. Number five is about how we cope with stress. And the number six sounds simplistic enough, but it's enjoying life. Um, so, you know, achieving and maintaining good health, good mental health is not a one person journey. In fact, each setting, each situation you're in, each person that you interact in, all, all can impact our, our mental health and our well being. And we know that. We know that we're, you know, everybody just came off of a, a long weekend with a lot of family members. And for lots of people, that's a super joyous time. And we feel super connected and we feel like we are absolutely in our 
our purpose and our element. Mm -hmm. And for some folks, family relationships are really complicated and it's not always that perfect sense of perfect purpose that comes with that, you know, and those different settings, those different interactions, those patterns we fall into and with other people can have a really dramatic impact on us. So that really means to truly achieve good mental health for all. It has to be a common theme everywhere. So that's a bigger, that's a bigger mandate, really more than what we can do just on our own. But if we work together, hopefully we can achieve more. That means making this a priority priority in workplaces, in schools, in neighborhoods, in order that we all have this running through the veins of our communities. It makes you really think because you talk about how complicated so many different avenues of our lives can be, uh, even if it's simply just getting a dinner ready or having that many people over family-wise. But you mentioned the glorification of the grind. What does that mean and how does that impact our mental health? You know, I blame social media. I don't, I don't totally, I mean, I think I blame social media for the fact that we all seem to know what everybody else is doing every second of their lives. Um, but the, the glorification of of the grind has been around for a long time. This is hustle yes. culture is another way we talk it uh, talk about it, right? It's all rooted in competition. This is the person who works 80 hours a week, but then they somehow do 90 minutes on their Peloton four times a day. And also their hair is perfect. And also all the kids' birthday presents look like they were wrapped on Pinterest. It's sort of people trying to outperform another person. And it's usually in the name of self-improvement. That's normally, it comes into this under this kind of guise. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't want to work on bettering yourself. It's not that, but there's, there is a difference. And we know there's a difference because when you interact with it, you get a like, feeling. You don't feel settled. It doesn't feel good to you. It feels like a poke. It feels like like you're being egged on into something and it makes you not feel good about yourself. And that is where the problem lies. The thing about this sort of hustle grind culture is it's, it's almost impossible to maintain long term. Burnout is very real. Exhaustion is very real. And when we can't maintain the pace, we tend to crash. So we sort of ride the wave of the highs, but then we suffer the pains of the low. And worst of all, it's going to make us, you know, this is all according to a bunch of made up rules that we've given ourselves. I mean, the second of it, the second part of this, of course, is also often leads to the very opposite result that you set out to achieve in the first place. In other words, because you become so burnt out, it actually leads to poor performance and exhaustion as the reality of all of it sets in. Yeah, there's so much to what you're saying, Leslie. It rings mm. true. There's especially the riding the highs and kind of avoiding the lows and then that sudden wall that you hit, right? Like, and even if you're not doing the 500 things you mentioned, even if it's just a couple elements in your life that you're just grinding and grinding and grinding away at, um, out of comparison, out of thinking like, this is what I need to do in order to be, you know, the best me or whatever these, you know, buzzwords that are out there. Um, the million dollar question though, how do we get away from this? Because it's everywhere. Everywhere we turn, we have someone to compare it to. You're totally right. And and you're right too. You know, it's not even about the list of how many things was on your amazing list of reasons I'm amazing. Like it doesn't matter. You could <laughs> yeah. have been doing two things all day and grinding away at that. But it's the mentality that you put yourself into, right? It's that constant state of comparison and it's that constant push, not because the push brings you joy, brings you those inherent things right. we talked about that are part of our mental health. It's it's because you're pursuing something outside of that. And so my first question to, or my first answer really to how do we get away from this? 
unfollow people, <laughs> unfollow anybody that doesn't make you feel good about yourself. And I know that sounds like the most obvious statement in the world, but my gosh, it's hard. You've probably collected some things that you follow along the way where, you know, it started after that New Year's, you were going to do a thousand sit-ups every day for a year, but now that person's still there. And every day you see them, you're sort of mildly annoyed by them and you say not nice things in your head, but you still follow and you still like, and you still look at it again. Um, there, there are lots of those things all over the place. It doesn't have to be just, you know, exercise. There's lots of things that trigger us in that certain way. And we need to, we need to cut it off. It's not necessary. We need to start being very mindful about what it means when we are scrolling mindlessly on social medias. And if, when you get that pang in your stomach, when you slip into the, oh gosh, I wish that was me. Oh, look at them. See, this is why I knew I was bad at this. This is why I'm not good enough for that. Immediately, immediately unfollow, unfollow, unfollow. Um, and the, less, the next thing I'm going to encourage you to do, which I think is just a great activity, if you're going to be active on social media, is start following people that are different than you. People that have different bodies, people that are from different cultures, different mm. ways of being. I mean, first of all, it's a really great way to learn and to connect and to get out of your own head. But second of all, it helps us to really reframe our own judgments. I mean, the truth is a lot of the time when we're playing the comparison game, we're playing it according to our own rule book. There is somebody halfway around the world that doesn't even know your book exists. Right. What's their life like? You know, and it's important to to remember that there's a whole other world besides the the one that is is you know kind of small and confined and constructed. And it's ironic because I know in a lot of ways social media lets us feel so globally connected to one another, and there's a beauty in that. And in another way, it's it actually gets us even smaller because we've created the world oh, we yeah. look at. We picked the people too. to follow. We yeah, well, you got yeah. it, and the system is rigged to do it at the same time. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. And so, and so kind of creating some baby steps where you take a bit more ownership over that, where you can cultivate what that looks like, what your little world looks like can have some really dramatic effects. Yeah, we tend to stick to that, right? We, 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 because it's again, that's what we feel is safe. We're stepping out. That's the best way to go. That's another word that gets tossed all over the place. Is it weird that not everybody knows what this, uh, this stuff means? Some of it. Mindfulness. You know such. what? Yeah. I know. And it's funny, too, because I think it's been co-opted to a certain extent to sell a lot of magazines yeah. and have us once again feel bad about ourselves. Right. You're not mindful enough. Look at you. You're so mindful. You thought of being mindful, but you didn't do enough mindfulness. Therefore, your mindfulness is not as good as my mindfulness. We can always find a way that we're comparing to each other. And the truth is, that's always. not what any of that was ever meant to be. Right. So if we can find a way to try and filter out some of that excess noise for ourselves and to really focus down, I've got some links for you guys on the website as well. Have a look. There's some really incredible breathing exercise that I know seems very maybe out there and a little bit harder to get on board with to start. Even if you can carve out five minutes a day to just be quiet with yourself and to kind of mm. come back to yourself, it, the, the data be, that supports this in terms of what that does for your long-term mental health is staggering. And it seems so small and insignificant that we often don't do it. We'll sooner go and buy the Peloton than we will take five minutes to sit yes. alone and just take five deep yeah. breaths. Or and it's an interesting thing that, that we do. Right? Or whatever instead Right. Distractions. Just mm -hmm. breathe and feel. And feel and just be and recognize that just being is enough. That's where we all of this needs to start. Yeah. There's a do you want to do a bit of a breathing exercise with us, Leslie? I mean, if we have time for it, I yeah. didn't want to push you guys. I no, don't no. want to run your day around. Let's do but, it. Okay. All right. Then let's do this together. Okay. This is going to be a good little introduction. It will be 30 seconds tops. Okay. In fact, a little bit shorter than that so that we can all do We're going to just tip our toes in the water today. Okay. 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 So if you're comfortable with it, you're going to close your eyes. You don't have to. 
Okay, you're going to put one hand just above where your belly button is. Okay, you're going to start by taking a nice big breath in and you're going to use that air to push your hand outwards. Okay, so big breath in. Feel your hand go out and now back out. So next we're going to take a breath in for four seconds. Four, three, two, one. Out for four, three, two, one. Now we're going to go in for four, four, three, two, hold for four, three, two, exhale for four, three, two, one. One more time. In, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, out, two, three, four. One more big breath in and all the way back out. Make some noise if it makes you happy. You can open mm. your eyes if you want, if they were okay. closed. It's I, so I screwed simple. up my hold anyway, there, but, but <laughs> it does. It makes There's no way. You can't, you can't screw it up, Kelly. Relaxed. You've already nailed it. <laughs> oh, that's, but it's, it's just, it's you know, it's those way. It, it's a it's a quick little minute just to remind you of where you are, who you are, and and drop back into your body for a little bit. So hopefully a good a good start for some mindful practices yeah. moving forward. Yeah. And the four 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 is box breathing, right? I think that's what you can look up that's if you right. want some guided breathing. Okay. Okay. I just love Absolutely. the fact that the five minutes that you just clear your head, and we talk about it all the time. We know to do it, and it's so minor. You're sitting around, you're just standing, just do it. Thanks, Leslie. Thanks so much, guys. Registered nurse Leslie Depoe joins us on the second Wednesday of the month. We do a health check-in. Always fantastic stuff with her. Uh, please uh, stop your breathing. Let your breath out. Let, the, let it out. We're coming up in a couple of moments. Back to the show. Kevin Shaw's with us on our business talk with him. We continue our series on business etiquette with an emphasis on time management. That after the break. Catch the Pulse this Saturday and Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific over on AMI-audio. This week, Joita speaks to author and professor Ashley Shu discussing her new book, Against Technobilism, Rethinking Who Needs Improvement, which explores the relationship between uh, disability identity, technology, and insidious ableism. That's the Pulse this Saturday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific Time, and Sunday uh, at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on AMI-audio, also available on your favorite podcast platform and YouTube. Kelly McDonald here with Ramya Muthan. And we're going to get into our monthly business chat. We do this on the second Wednesday of the month with Kevin Shaw. Do you have questions about how to turn your business dreams into reality? Join me, Kevin Shaw, a recovering entrepreneur, for answers to your questions and much more, right here on Kelly and Ramya. Kevin, this is a valuable 15 minutes we have with you once a month. Uh, we've been going through business etiquette and, you know, covering different things in that area. Last time, I believe it was like the dress for success or, you know, just mm -hmm. dressing for the right kind of job and what that looks like and sounds like. And honestly, the changes around that. So it was very interesting as well. People can check out the podcast today. 
we're talking about time management as part of business etiquette. So important. There's so many mm-hmm. different nuances to the conversation as well. Let's talk about punctuality. Let's talk about it. Thanks for having me uh, again. Good to be here. Um, punctuality. It's it's one of the things that I'm not sure if the pandemic has changed that, um, the way that we show up to things. I know a lot of things have moved online and we're, we're able to kind of slip in to a conversation halfway through online. But when we're meeting in person, it can be you know, a little disruptive to be showing up, um, uh, let's say, 10 minutes late into mm. a meeting. Um, and specifically for, for folks in our community, it can be really frustrating to uh, be that person that is sort of at the, at the uh, you know, at the will of, of, you know, paratransit services and uh, transit and taxis and, and other things. So, you know, it's always a good idea, I think, to, to, to plan ahead, to know that like, okay, I know I've got to be at my appointment for 10 o'clock. Uh, you know, I'm meeting with the CEO or I'm meeting with investors or I'm meeting with, you know, people that are important to me. Um, so I'm actually going to aim to get there for around 9.30. And you p- put that in your planning so that if something does happen, uh, you've got some you've got some time. And if you're there early, you get to walk around, maybe meet, meet some of the staff, um, get comfortable, get, get yourself uh, uh, acquainted. Um, I, I had a gentleman come in and, and lecture when, when I was in grad school. And it was a film class, and he said, "To be on time in this industry is to be late." Yeah. So heard him uh, before. You know, it was good advice that I took from him. Yeah. I think um, it, it, it's nice to have that heads up that you're. It, you, you get settled, you get calmed down, you get the the flow of what's going on around you, yeah. the feel, and. There, there's no way, those of us in our community anyway, you're sneaking into any meeting, even if you're just there as a listener, <laughs> as a participant, you're not sneaking in there quiet, around your let white alone. Cane. Exactly. Yeah. Or the ones asking someone, is there a free chair? Could you get off my lap? There's one to your left. Oh, it was the um, worst when you get to lectures and such uh, late oh. in university and college, right? Because everyone's already seated. There's you have no right. idea where you're going. Oh, my nope. goodness. Yeah. And they stop. I've had profs stop. Oh, yeah. You know, it's very embarrassing. Could someone show Mr. McDonald a seat? <laughs> it's no, like a 200 just pretend person I'm not here? lecture oh. hall and you're still getting all the eyes on you. Yeah, it's terrible. Oh, gosh, but, Kevin. But at the same time, Kevin, there's this, you know, you pointed it out already, the frustration of, well, we need to go extra hard. Sometimes we're showing up an hour early because that's the only opportunity you have with paratransit and you right. know connections and all these different things. Or, oh, your mm-hmm. mom gives you a ride, but it's got to be 7 a.m. and not 9.30. So there's all these points of frustration that can happen sure. with the disability community. So can you just highlight why it's important nonetheless, like regardless of the frustration factors, to show up on time? Because you got to get past that frustration, don't yeah. you, Kevin? If yeah. you're stuck using you wheel-trans, you don't drive. And we have to realize other people who may not be disabled do the same things. Yeah. Well, I mean, ultimately it comes down to respect for other people's time. Yeah. Other people are depending on you. And, you know, if you've been invited to a meeting, you're there for a reason. You're not... Uh, 
you know, you're not eye candy. You're not just eye candy, as I like to say. <laughs> no. You know, no. you've got a, you've got a, you've got something to contribute, and in order to contribute, you need to show up. You need to be prepared, and you have to um, you sometimes overcome some frustration. You know, I, one of the great quotes I heard this week was, "Life's tough. Get a helmet." And uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, you uh, you sometimes just have to kind of suck it up and and you know trudge through the snow or or you know be dropped off an hour early. Hey, man, life's hard. Yeah. So, well, like yeah. sometimes sometimes the you know sometimes the struggle is real. But you know what? You're there, and uh, you've got some time to prepare. And uh, showing up on time means that that you're respecting other people's time, and you're respecting that uh, that they have limitations that they're working within as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you last thing you want to do, especially as we had your conversation about proper attire and things like that, be all dressed up for the for, for going to a meeting, being a part of something big and knowing, yes. but it's storming out, it's raining, I'm going to get wet yep. taking transit, I'm going to have to take that ride and be there early. Let's talk about meetings, though, and people's time, because we've brought that up a few times, managing meetings, Kevin. Yeah, sometimes you're the one that's in charge and you're the one that's waiting for uh, everyone to get there and start. And, and, you know, this is this is just a common thing in the business world. I I, I work for a bank and, and this is something that we've talked about, how to run better meetings. And, you know, we, we've been encouraged that, that, you know, if the meeting does not have an agenda, don't don't go. <laughs> Because if it's just, uh, you know, like, hey, we're we're getting together for the sake of getting together, right? Have an agenda, make sure that it's timed out, make sure that someone's keeping track of the time, make sure that you're staying on topic, that that somebody is there taking notes, memorializing what's discussed in the meeting, and make sure that there's a clear objective. Don't don't just meet to say, hey, we're going to talk about such and such. Um, you want to meet to not only talk about whatever it is that you're going to talk about, but walk away with a couple of things that are that are deliverables, a couple mm. of things that you can go and work on. Um, and if if you don't need a meeting, don't have a meeting. Um, keeping time is such a huge part of running efficient meetings, right? Because for yes. some people, this is the only meeting of their day. For others, it is the fifth meeting in a course of 18 meetings that day or something <laughs> like that. Now with Zoom, Kevin, it is impossible to get away from meetings. I, I think that there was some kind of like, you know, the memo is, well, we can do more meetings because now we have Zoom. And so your evenings or your afternoons or your mornings, like meetings are everywhere. And you're working yeah. with people who have different work days, like different kinds of work days and capacities than you. So it is so important. And now I'm the one running the segment, but it's so important to keep time. <laughs> well, it, it is. And it's also, though, important to mind everybody's time. I think it has oh, yeah. to be right. expressed because what your meetings are, what mine are, have nothing to do with the other necessarily. Right. And I, I understand that, oh, yeah, Kelly, you, you know, you can't, you, oh, I may have no, nowhere to go, but someone else might. And and I don't need to know that. I don't need to care about it. But I I, ha- we, I think you have to lay it out because so many people find themselves struggling. Do you have to justify where you're going or why you're hurrying this meeting along? Mm-hmm. Well, no, let's just be clear with everyone, guys. We do have to get out of here every day at this yep. time or every week at this, whatever it is. It is so and tough you know, because we don't know even, each other's commitments. Right. And and in meetings where you have topics that come up that are not necessarily related, but still important mm. to the discussion, yep. um, you know, we say put them in a parking lot, 
right? Say, yep. look, that, that's a fantastic point that you've raised. Uh, we're going to actually put that in a parking lot. It's not part of our discussion right now because we only have half an hour, 25 minutes mm-hmm. or an hour. And so the next time that we meet, this is something that we're going to expand on and discuss. And honestly, like exactly what you just said about 25 minutes, half an hour, I think it's just important to verbally who people who are facilitating the meetings to say, we have 15 more minutes, we have five more minutes, let's get to whatever agenda item. Um, And move it to another time. Exactly. And also I wanted to point out. And I know it's hard to get from running from one to the other. Zoom makes us book one at 1130, one at 12, one at 1230. Instead of time, you know, the bathroom to eat or whatever. And I think sometimes we we forget that too. Yeah, I actually, um, I've been exposed to in the last couple of years, uh, what is being referred to as crip time. And I think the main point of this particular way of running meetings was, you know, stick to time no matter what and implement breaks. And those breaks can be like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever it is, but you get the bio breaks to do what you need to, especially for longer meetings. But the importance of this particular concept is just that people come from like different capacities of mental health and time management and meeting availability and capacity. So yeah, just all in all, very important. Well, and some people would rather, we all have to remember, some people would rather meeting after meeting after meeting so they can get done early mm-hmm. or start later mm-hmm. or whatever their reason is. They, they'd rather it all slam. Some people would rather, hey, I want my first meeting Monday at, at 930, my last meeting Friday at 530, spread them out. No, man, put them all Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. <laughs> it, it really is. It, it's really funny, Kevin, how we are. But also in our society, just keeping others in mind that, hey, what's important to me? It's, yep. it's not necessarily important to Kevin. Yeah, that's right. And I'm 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 doing a meeting tomorrow with with uh, with an organization within our community, and you know it's a lunchtime meeting, and and um, you know it just happens to be that the time that everyone can make it. And so I'm I'm going to set so, some time aside because I know that that meeting is coming uh, to make sure that uh, you know I'm well fed and watered either before or yeah. after that. Um, you know, so that I can respect everyone's time and, you know, not be like, hey, hang on a second. I've got to, you know, I've got to put something in the oven. I've got to, you know, take it out. And Sorry, it was 15 it minutes later. I was scrapping out my lunch. Yeah. Um, let's keep it moving. Emailing and digital communication in the workplace. And this is another kind of form of business etiquette, respect of other people's time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, how long is too long to get back to somebody by email, especially if you're in a work situation or even if you're in an employment situation where you're looking for work and somebody's emailed you saying, hey, uh, you know, we, we saw your resume. We'd like to have you come in for an interview or you're, you're part of a, you know, a, you know, some kind of a recruiting process. You know, how long is too long to get back to to, to the person emailing you? And so that varies on, on the style of communication it is. So for instant messaging, you usually want to get back to, to somebody within, you know, maybe a couple of minutes. Obviously, you know, you want to make sure that that you're allowing time for people to get back to you as well. Um, not everyone is glued to their device. Some people actually put their device down and say, I'm going to actually take five minutes an hour or, you know, every half hour to catch up on uh, instant messaging. Maybe for email, it's it's a day to 48 hours. You don't want to go a week and not reply to an email. You know, and we're all guilty of having those emails that that sort of pile up in our inbox with with flags on them going, oh yeah, I'm supposed to get back to that. Uh and and those are like the, 
the big two types of correspondence that uh, that we want to be mindful of. Very true. That's perfect. Yeah, very much so, Kev. It really is. Uh, Kev, what else do we need to do as we're rolling out of our time here, Anya? Uh, we, we have to block out that time, set those priorities. Right. And and so that, that becomes another thing, too, in, in terms of managing your time. If you're managing, uh, you know, you're, you've obviously you've got meetings, you, you might have appointments, you've got other things to do. Uh, there are times where it's important to just take time for yourself and say for the next 30 minutes or 25 minutes, I'm just doing my work. I'm just mm. answering emails. I'm just, you know, reading documents in Microsoft Word. I'm just going through a PowerPoint. I'm just doing job applications or cover letters. And, you know, a great way to do that is just set a timer, set a timer, you know, on your phone or on your watch and just say, until that timer goes off, I'm not going to stop working. Right. And you close mm -hmm. all the other browser windows that you've got open, you know, and you turn the music off. If, if that's something that's distracting to you and you turn the distractions off and you just work, work, work. And, and the first five minutes of that are just going to suck because it's like, no, I don't want to do this. And I want to procrastinate and I want to go on and like, you know, look at funny cat videos on the internet. Um, and you just realize like, okay, the first five minutes, they're the hardest, but once you get into a groove, you start getting into a groove. And at the end of that time period, you can either reset the timer. If you're, if you're just like, no, I got to keep going or uh, you can stop and then go and do something else. It's also, it's helpful in the opposite effect, Kevin, I find. Um, if you have different divisions of your day, different sections of your day, that timer or alarm helps you move on to the next part because sometimes time gets away yes. from you. And then you're like, oh, I spent five hours emailing and I didn't get to anything else. Kevin, thank you right. so much. No problem. Uh, thanks for having me. This is fantastic. Uh, we we're talking about business etiquette with Kevin Shaw, and today's conversation was really around time management and all the different facets of that. He'll be back with us in November on the second Wednesday of the month. We step aside. We'll take a look at what's going on on Now with Dave Brown tomorrow when we return. See what we've got in store for you. And, of course, the closing moment after this. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. So much to cover in the program today. We are running a little late on time. So let's first mention, check out the podcast, subscribe using your favorite podcast platform. Thank you for those who have given us reviews lately. We'd love some more. Uh, really appreciate the kind words. And also, Ramya, today we had the opportunity um, to give away a prize. Yes, we did two tickets, a pair of tickets to our wonderful benefit concert and dinner that's happening this Friday, the 13th. And uh, the two winners are Ivanka Timchuk and Serhi Timchuk. So congratulations to you. We will see you on Friday night. Okay. Folks, also, we want to remind you that our show being available via podcast and using your favorite podcast platform to get a hold of it, you can also do so with Now with Dave Brown. Or you can catch their show simply, easy enough to do, on AMI-tv, 9 a.m. in the morning, uh, Settle Back and uh, with Dave and the gang, and lots of great conversation. Want me to prove it? Rum, do the honors.
Yep, it's a morning show, and here's the lineup for tomorrow. Jenny Bovard is going to tell us about the proper skincare products that you can um, uh, get on your list for this fall and winter seasons. Because, you know, cold weather is up. Also, comedian Neethelan is giving us his review of fellow comedians DJ Damaris's comedy special. I've heard only good things, so I'm very excited about that. Also, Michael McNeely is reviewing the movie North of Normal because he is their entertainment critic and he's got a lot to say on these films that he checks out i'm gonna have to bring Dee on here for the round table yeah let's do it yeah yeah we'll do that sometime folks it's time for the closing moment that means the show's almost up but i like this one especially with uh, everything as we walk towards halloween and so much coming and we think a lot about our pumpkin pie and jack-o'-lanterns this year Look to the Tennessee Aquarium for inspiration on how to make the ideal pumpkin in some unusually challenging conditions. Get a load of this. Surrounded by clouds of sunfish, wandering lake sturgeon, and persistent turtles, volunteer scuba divers Tom Aarons and uh, Harry Barry Bullard, excuse me, held an underwater pumpkin carving demonstration on October 3rd in the aquarium's uh, Tennessee River exhibit. The duo created two Halloween decorations depicting a shark and a tortoise carving their niche into a tradition that will continue every Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern during October. I really wonder if they have this online. I was thinking about it for people who may have someone with them, get a little description to watch these guys doing this stuff. My biggest concern when I saw this was... Hey, but you've got all those punk and guts spewing into the river and stuff. Oh, Is that so okay true. for the creatures, the sunfish, everything? Uh, I'm sure they love it. Like, it's sweet. But what about the seeds? there was some kind of preservation that happened beforehand that would prevent all the grossness from exiting the pumpkins? Like, you know, the texture yeah. of the pumpkin was made for this particular purpose? I don't know. I don't know, because you're still gutting it and everything. And then you yeah, wonder yeah. if next year when you come back, will there be underwater pumpkins growing? I don't know. Where do you possible? toss the remains as you work? It's just they eat it. Around. And that's why they're all hanging around. Like, come on. It's sort of like guide dogs, right? <laughs> yeah, treat. you're clumsy. You drop something. I'm waiting. It's like, oh, we've carved too much today. We had to stop because we're overfeeding the fish. Oh, Mm-mm. it's beautiful. Tennessee, uh, you can go and check that out. They've they've got that going on Saturdays at 2. And uh, just go and find out because that is awesome from the Tennessee Aquarium. What else is awesome is 2 o'clock tomorrow. We're at it again here. We continue our discussion uh, with Michael Fair on the program on accessibility improvements with iOS 17. We're also talking about essential frozen foods we can't do without with Mary Mammoliti. Good. That's going to be awesome. We'll love that. All those conversations, we're waving at you. Have a wonderful night, folks. Talk to you tomorrow. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.